welcome to Greater Faith. You're listening to Let It Flow, a message from Pastor Azalini. We hope that today's message blesses and encourages you as you go through your day. Amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Every believer goes on a journey with God. Many of the places we visit are the same in terminology, and you'll understand what I mean by that here in a few minutes, but they are unique to us because of our creative design. God made each one of us different and unique, and I want to talk to you about that journey tonight, and I want to begin right at new birth, right at Baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and repentance, okay? Let's go to John chapter 3, beginning with verse 5. You've probably read or heard these scriptures many times, but if you haven't, we're going to read them quickly. John chapter 3, beginning with verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There is no other way than this. That's what that word except means. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Praise God. How many of you are thankful for being born again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Since the first week of May, God has filled 19 people with the gift of the Holy Ghost here at Greater Faith Apostolic Church. Amen. Praise God. The new birth plan, according to Scripture, is this. We've all heard it. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, talks about repentance. Everybody say repentance. But what is repentance? The new birth plan of salvation is is symbolic of what Jesus did for us at Calvary. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is repentance? Repentance is death. This is where you make the choice to die out to yourself. Amen? Amen. Regrettably, many people struggle with their new identity in Christ Because confession or asking for forgiveness has become a substitute for repentance. What do you mean? The Bible says if you are faithful to confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive you of your sins. That means that you can ask God to forgive you but not change. You can ask God to wash your heart And you continue to be the same way. But if you do that, have you repented? No. You've only asked for forgiveness. You've confessed your sins. Repentance is a change. It's an about face in your direction in life. It's saying, God, I want you to forgive me of my sins, but I'm also done being in charge of myself. Amen? No, but... I usually only get a small percentage of amens when I talk about repentance because the reality of it sets in on us and we realize, hey, I've got more to give. 
So there's repentance, baptism in Jesus' name. And I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but just stay with me. Baptism in Jesus' name. This is the burial. This is where you leave your old identity in a watery grave and take on a new name and a new identity in Jesus Christ. It is in baptism that you take on the name of Jesus. It becomes part of your identity. Listen to this. This is very powerful. The identity crisis epidemic in our world is fueled by lies that enable a deceitful heart. Who has a deceitful heart? All of us have deceitful hearts. Is enabled by a deceitful heart to choose what it wants to be. See, when you are not baptized in Jesus' name, you leave it up to your heart to decide who you are going to be. And that's part of the reason our world has such an identity crisis. And people can't decide what they are or who they are, what gender they are, or, or anything else. Why? Because they are being led by a wicked, deceitful heart. But the truth is, mankind is only complete in Christ. We were creatively designed by God to have our identity in him. Therefore, until our world turns to God, the identity crisis we see will only get worse. You can't legislate your way into a solution to the identity crisis that our world has. You can only repent your way into an identity solution. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says this in the Amplified Version. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old or previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. When you are buried with him in baptism, you become engrafted in Christ and you become a new creature. Amen. Hallelujah. We have to understand that we have a new identity in salvation. We are not meant to remain the same. Praise God. But if you are baptized and you have not truly repented, you ready for this? You will have the right name and the wrong identity. How many of you were told growing up, don't take the Lord's name in vain? How many of you thought that meant cussing? It means a whole lot more than that. Because when I take on his name, but I don't repent, I'm taking his name in vain. Because I'm walking in myself with a name that was given to me. And now I am walking in vain. People will know I'm a Christian, but I won't act like Christ. I'll say I'm an apostolic, but there will be no demonstration of power. 
Hallelujah. That's taking his name in vain. If you tell people you're an apostolic, then you better be full of the Holy Ghost and power when you say it. You better be willing to pray somebody through to the gift of the Holy Ghost in the middle of a restaurant. You better be willing to take authority over a disease in the middle of a public square. There ought to be no place, Brother Jerry, where boldness cannot be released into action when you are an apostolic, born-again, blood-bought, Jesus name believer because we don't take his name in vain we take his name with us in demonstration and in spirit everywhere we go people ought to know that you are different when they meet you they ought to recognize his name on you without you even having to tell them they ought to encounter your identity before they ever even hear your words the atmosphere in the room should change when you walk in because you are full of the Holy Ghost and power. Mm. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name and the Holy Ghost. This is the resurrection, death, burial, resurrection. This is when you are filled with the Spirit of God with the evidence of speaking in other Tongues. How many of you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? Praise God. Hallelujah. Caden, I remember when you received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That, that happened. That happened right here in this altar. And the Holy Ghost came on you. And everybody standing there watched it happen. And your very countenance began to change. Why? Because the glory of God was shining on you as those words began to come out of your mouth. Ben, you received the gift of the Holy Ghost on Friday night. He had his hands lifted in a youth rally just down the street and all of a sudden tears began to stream down his cheek uh, and his mouth began to move. What happened? He was filled with the Spirit of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. After the repentance and baptism, after the death and the burial, you must arise again as a new creature. This means there must be a new source of power Hallelujah. Before the Holy Ghost, all you had was willpower. Now you have Holy Ghost power. This means there must be a new source of power, authority, that's the name, and spiritual conscience. That's repentance. That means you become aware of your sinful nature like you were not aware of it before. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden, things will begin to bother you that never used to bother you before. All of a sudden, your conscience will feel violated when you say something, do something, go somewhere you should not be, or in an environment that is displeasing to God. All of a sudden, your Holy Ghost is like, hey, this is not, I told, man, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this room right now. The Holy Ghost will begin to alert you and say, this isn't right. You need to leave. You need to flee. You need to get out of here. You need to lift your voice voice you need to speak with power you need to speak with authority you need to cleanse your mind you need to not set any wicked thing before your eyes you need to speak faith and not fear you need to show love and mercy what happens that's the power of the holy ghost causing you to be a new creature in christ 
Hallelujah. If you will, uh, this this means there is a new source of power, authority. It empowers you to live in righteousness. It teaches you holiness. Everybody say holiness. Oh, hallelujah. Live in righteousness. It teaches you holiness. And it strengthens you to resist the devil and crucify your flesh. You cannot be saved, live a righteous, holy life in Christ without the Holy Ghost. That was weak. You can't do it without the Holy Ghost. If you don't believe me, go back and listen to last Wednesday. You need the Holy Ghost to live righteously. You need the Holy Ghost to live holy. You won't even know what holy is until you have the Holy Ghost. Well, pastor, I'm a good person. My grandma was a good person. My mother is a good person. Go back and listen to Committed and Conflicted from last Wednesday. Because there is a level of good that all men can attain to in the flesh. And that's the bar by which you will measure yourself without the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says our righteousness, what we call good, is as filthy rags. And if there weren't kids in here, I would tell you what that actually means. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you now have the power to live a holy life. And guess who defines holy? He defines holy. Guess who defines righteous? He defines righteous. If I define righteous, I'm just self-righteous. If I define holy, I'm narcissistic. But I need his holiness and I need his righteousness to be the measurement in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 1.16 says, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. God expects holiness in our life. All of this, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the new birth is just the beginning as soon as you are born again God begins to transform everybody say transform God begins to transform you from the inside out hallelujah hallelujah from the inside out you know why he does it that way because he's an excellent craftsman he's not a shoddy house flipper that covers up the mistakes inside the walls he exposes everything, and he fixes everything from the inside out. He fixed the mechanics of the house first uh, before he ever does anything to the outside. So we're going to deal with the heart issues. We're going to deal with the pain. We're going to deal with the wounds. We're going to deal with the betrayal. We're going to deal with the abandonment. We're going to deal with the sin. We're going to deal with the hidden sin. We're going to deal with everything on the inside. We're going to deal with the mind. We're going to deal with the thought life. We're going to start on the inside, and we're going to work our way outside hallelujah 
And if you try to live holy and you reverse the order, you'll become a hypocrite and everybody around you will know that you're a hypocrite because you'll look the part, talk the part. But let me tell you something. I've already said it once in this church. You can't hide your spirit. So you can look the part, you can talk the part, and you can act the part. But if you are broken on the inside and you have not allowed God to redeem you and fix you and transform you from the inside out, your spirit will will spill over and people will know hey there's damage there's hurt there's wounding there's betrayal there's a visceral attitude inside of there because something on the inside has not been transformed hallelujah 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 he heals he makes new he transforms. so we talked about new birth and we're talking about places on our journey I want to talk about the exodus, right? The exodus. This is something all of us have. This is a part of all of our journeys, the exodus. Uh, has anybody ever read the book of Exodus? Does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? It's the, it's the journey of the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. And if you don't know, Egypt represents the world. It represents sin. It, res it, it represents uh, the bondage of sin. And Pharaoh represents our adversary. He is the taskmaster of sin. He puts us in bondage and slavery puts us in a in a situation where we feel like we cannot escape and then Jesus looks at our plight hears our cry and he steps in and gives us something we could not give to ourselves he delivers us from the bondage of sin hallelujah hallelujah I believe that the exodus is perhaps one of the most exciting parts of the journey with God. Because in this part of the journey, the only thing required of the believer is for you to go. Don't stay. Don't stay. When God delivers you, when your moment of deliverance comes and God shows up in your life and says, I want to pull you out of this mess, you have one job. Get up and start walking. Get up and start moving. Don't stay in the mess uh, that you are in when God is calling you out. Hallelujah. It is in this leg of the journey that little, very little is required of the believer other than walking, trusting, and following. Walking, trusting, and following. It is in the Exodus where you learn how to walk, trust, and follow God. These are foundational, foundational to your life with God. You've got to walk, you've got to trust, and you've got to learn to follow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's paramount. That's what repentance is. You used to lead. Now you're a follower. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. This is why I tell people, whatever you do, when somebody is receives the gift of the Holy Ghost, is baptized or new to church, I tell them, I said, whatever you do, come to church. I said, I don't care if you're drunk on a Saturday night. I said, come to church on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Why? Because they're walking. They are showing up. No matter what happens along the journey, they're showing up in the house of God. They're making it a priority. And if they keep showing up, God will keep working in their life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
This is your exit plan from Egypt. It's showing up. It's saying, God, no matter what it takes, I'm going to be at church because I know that in that environment, I'm going to feel liberty. I'm going to experience freedom. I know I'm going to hear your voice. I know weights are going to be lifted off of me because what happens in the beginning, right? When you're being delivered, what do you have? You don't have an arsenal. You don't have a history of experience. Your weapons of warfare, you can't even hold them up. You can't even put them on. You're not a fighter. You're not a warrior yet. You're just a follower. And all you got to do is show up and if you'll show up he will fight every single one of those battles for you hallelujah keep walking keep coming and God will start doing things in your life in this exodus he delivers you he fights your enemies he miraculously provides for you he shows you wonders he proves himself to you in the exodus he proves himself to you in the Exodus. How many times did the children of Israel doubt in the Exodus? It seemed like every other chapter, there's some marvelous miracle, and then they go right back to doubting, right? We all go through this journey where God has to prove himself to us. And then where does he take us? He takes us to the wilderness. And for far too many people, this is as far as they go. Luke 4 and 1 says, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say full of the Holy Ghost. Because this is what I want you to begin to focus on as we continue. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was full of. He was fully God and he was fully man at the same time. Jesus was full of himself. Like you and me, he had a flesh nature that had to die out. Your flesh doesn't die in the Exodus. You're just following, trusting, and walking. But God will bring you to a wilderness. And give you an opportunity for your flesh to die out. Even Jesus was not excluded from a wilderness experience. Jesus went to the wilderness to fast for 40 days. His stomach was empty, but his spirit was full. And that is the key to exiting the wilderness on the journey. You have to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Every believer has to take periodic wilderness journeys to die out to their fleshly nature. The only way to fast in the wilderness is to be full of the Holy Ghost. The wilderness is where Jesus went to get victory over temptation, to crucify his carnal fleshly nature, and every born-again believer will go through the wilderness. And you cannot survive the wilderness without water John 7:38 says he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water what are you trying to say pastor i'm trying to tell you that i felt a shift this week and god said 
Some of them are about to step into a wilderness. He said, and you need to prepare them and tell them that that river has got to flow every single day. You have got to be full of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, in this room tonight, and there are people that are not here, but there are people that are tuning in online right now. And I want you to hear me because I know who some of you are. The Lord showed me. There are people of those 19 people that received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and there's others in this room that you received the Holy Ghost a long time ago, that it's been a long time since you spoke with tongues. And some of you haven't spoken tongues since you were filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time. It's time to let that river flow in your life because the wilderness will destroy you if you do not have water flowing. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost. What do you mean, Brother Vinny? I mean every single day before my feet hit the floor, I start speaking in tongues before I get out of bed. I make sure there's a current of the Spirit in my life every single day. I don't want anything to stop that river from flowing because in the wilderness, I'm living on that water. Inside of that water is everything that I need. And you won't make... Let me tell you something. Too many people have gone to a wilderness and tried to fast the river. You can't fast the river in the wilderness. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost. You need to feel God every single day. You need him to renew your mind every single day. You need your spirit full and overflowing every single day. You need that river to come up and refresh your mind and replenish your faith every single day I cannot live off of yesterday's refilling I need to be refilled today hallelujah praise God hallelujah full of the Holy Ghost after you exit the wilderness you will come to a place of service Acts chapter 3 excuse me Acts chapter 6 verses 3 and 5 Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurius, and, man, aren't you glad these aren't your names, Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Hallelujah. Full of the Holy Ghost. Full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Mm. When I started out here, I talked to you about time, talent, and treasure. Talked to you about serving in the kingdom. Well, guess what? Kingdom service requires the spirit of the king. And if you try to give yourself to kingdom service in your human spirit, it'll burn you out. 
It'll tax you. It'll wear you out. You'll feel unappreciated. You'll feel overlooked. You'll feel like it's not bringing any value or accomplishing anything. But when you have the spirit of the king and you're doing kingdom service, hallelujah, the very work that you are doing will refresh you and renew you and replenish you because you will see, feel, and witness uh, that you are edifying the body you are helping uh, see this is all just a stream uh, when TJ begins to do service in my life and he edifies me and he encourages me that river from him just flows right into me uh, and then I'm renewed and refreshed and it just flows right into brother Jerry uh, and on and on and on it goes we need each other we need the spirit of the king in kingdom service we need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There will be times on your journey when you come to a place of persecution. Anybody ever felt persecuted for their faith before? Acts chapter 7, verses 54 and 55. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. You ever been so persecuted somebody bit you? All right, just checking. But he... Being full of the Holy Ghost. They were stoning him. They were biting him. This was Stephen. Stephen preached one of the best sermons ever written in your Bible. And when he was finished, they began to stone him and gnash on him with teeth. But the Bible says that being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Let me tell you something. When you are full of the Holy Ghost, you can make it through any circumstance. Will there be persecution? Yes. Will there be tribulation? Yes. Is there an adversary? Yes. But when you are full of the Holy Ghost, you can see the glory of God even in persecution. Even in persecution, you will know for that. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There will be times on your journey when you come to a place of mission. This is a place of sending forth, being called to. They sent Barnabas in Acts chapter 11 and verse 24 to Antioch. And this is what it says, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. Brother Burton, I think about you when I read this verse. Because every time you step behind this pulpit, immediately the gift of faith begins to operate in this room. You know why that happens? Because he's full of of the Holy Ghost. He spends time with God every single day. He doesn't tell me that. I don't know what his routine is. I know it because I see the gift and the fruit in his life. It's operating every single day. That gift of faith is operating and it's flowing in this service. Just like he, all he did was take the offering and immediately the gift of faith began to operate. Why? Because he's full of the Holy I know I'm making you uncomfortable. I'm sorry, Brother Jerry. I know, I know. But you know what? It's the truth. 
and and you ought not feel uncomfortable because I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking about the God that is in you. That's who I'm giving glory to. That's who's operating when he's in this pulpit with that microphone. It's God in him. That's where that boldness comes from. Why is that happening? Because he's full of the Holy Ghost. In your journey, you will come to a place of warfare. Acts chapter 13 and 9, Paul was warring against a sorcerer. And this is what the scripture says. It says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. What would you do if a witch got in front of you today and started casting a spell on you? And started saying things to you that sent chill bumps down your spine. They were full of joy. Why? Because they knew the power that they had and the authority that they had inside of them. They weren't fearful, and you ought not be fearful in warfare. Let me tell you something. Let me. Oh. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and you are baptized in Jesus' name, God gives you spiritual authority, right? So guess what that means? That means the devil does not have authority or jurisdiction in your life. He can't walk into your home. He can't do things. You know, we, we give the devil way too much glory in our life. But do you know what he does do? Is he finds somebody that's more than willing to partner with him and he uses flesh ah. he uses flesh to come against you and he'll put a bad spirit on somebody else around you and all of a sudden you've never done anything to this person but now all of a sudden this person's got a problem with you Listen, you don't, have to, you don't have to send me a log and tell me when you're praying and when you're not praying. I know when you're praying and when you're not praying because your attitude reveals where your Holy Ghost level is. Does that make sense? Everyone's like, oh, don't look at me, Pastor. Listen, I'm not coming after you. I'm just telling you. It's evident. Not just me. The people around you know it. The, the guy on the pew next to you knows it. They know if you've been spending time with the king or not. Why? Because if you come in here aggravated, irritated, with a sideways attitude, what does that say? That means I'm not full of the Holy Ghost. That means I'm depleted. I'm worn out. There's a thorn in my spirit. Somehow the enemy has has gained access to my life uh, and I don't have joy right now. Why? Because I'm trying to live on yesterday's blessing and yesterday's refilling and yesterday's manna and I need it fresh every single day. Praise God. Hallelujah. There will be times where you come to a place of rejection. Oh, we just did that one. I'm sorry. No, we did warfare. A place of rejection. On this same journey in Acts 13, the city of Antioch rejected Paul and Barnabas, and they were thrown out. And in Acts 13 and 52, it says, And the disciples were filled with joy 
and with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. When's the last time you were filled with joy when somebody rejected you? Mm. Oh, pastor. That's silly. Okay. The Bible says they were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Mm. You will come to places in your journey, places of accusation. Anybody ever been falsely accused? Peter and John were thrown in prison in Acts chapter 4. And Peter preached to the council that stood before him, accusing him. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. He was able to preach to his accusers. He did not stand up and defend himself. He stood up and declared the full counsel of God because he was full of the Holy Ghost. These are all places that each of us will visit at some point in our journey with God. Sometimes when you read through a list like that, you're like, man, accusation, persecution, rejection. I'm sorry, why am I in this? What's in this for me? Anybody ever wondered that before? What's in it for me? Mm. Romans 14 and 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I heard somebody out here say eternity. Who said eternity? You receive eternity but you don't have to wait to eternity to receive some of the blessings of the kingdom. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you receive a measure of the kingdom of God right here on earth. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. Oh my God, have mercy. You get kingdom access on this side of eternity. When you have the Holy Ghost, you get righteousness, peace, and joy. There was a whole lot of hands lifted here tonight saying we need peace. You can have it. It's promised to you. It belongs to you. You can possess it. You can have peace that passes understanding. What does that mean? That means your circumstances don't equal peace. But you have peace anyway. Why? Because your peace is not derived from your circumstance. Your peace is derived from your identity. That's peace that passes understanding. I have righteousness, peace, and joy. I can have joy when I'm being persecuted. I can have peace when I'm being rejected. I can have joy and righteousness in any situation. Why? Because I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to go a little long tonight. Just bear with me. I, I usually don't go past eight, but just give me a few more minutes. I'm almost done. What is righteousness? The doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved of God. Integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. A state approved of God. 
That means only God can define righteousness in your life. Peace. What is peace? The blessed state of devout. When you receive righteousness, do you know what that means? That means that you, it doesn't mean that you immediately start doing everything right. It means you receive the nature of God. And through a journey of transformation, he continually brings you into alignment with your new identity. That's what it means when you receive righteousness. Hallelujah. Peace, the blessed state of devout and upright men after death. You didn't get that. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Right? We say that when somebody passes away. Well, guess what? When you repent, I ought to be able to say to you, rest in peace. Because if your old man is dead and you have crucified your flesh, your peace cannot be taken from you. Peace, is the company of death. And when my flesh is dead to the things of the world and the desires of this flesh, it doesn't matter if I'm rich or poor, if I live in a shack or in a mansion, if I drive or walk, if I got a job or I'm unemployed, it doesn't matter because I have peace, because my peace is not derived from my, my external circumstances uh, my peace is derived from my identity praise God praise God and joy cheerfulness calm delight and gladness Whew. joy has a similar aptitude as peace it is able to be present in your life regardless of of your external circumstances. It is not the same as happiness. Happiness is tied to your circumstances. Joy is tied to your identity. Whew, hallelujah. I remember coming to church as a young boy. And we had a lot of elders in our church. And I remember them coming into church on walkers. Needing help out of their cars. And they would come in. And... It, we don't see enough of this anymore. I'm just going to tell you right now. But I remember being a, a boy in the youth group watching people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, a couple in their 90s get up on their walker and just begin to dance like this. <laughs> Some of them lived in, 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 in conditions that, that in 2023 would be like, how could anybody be happy living like that? Or how, how could anybody be content with that? They were. Why? Because they had righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Their joy was not dictated by anything in this world. Their joy came from within. We need to be a joyful church, a joyful people. They had smiles on their faces every time I saw them. I never saw them forlorn and despondent. We got way too much of that in the body of Christ today. We need a restoration of joy. That's why David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He understood that his joy came from his new birth. 
1 Thessalonians 1 and 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. You can have joy in affliction. Yes, the way is hard, and yes, the way is narrow, but with the Holy Ghost, you can have joy. Joy is greater. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1, verses 5 and 8. This is the uh, last thing I want to cover. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. You shall receive power. But he said power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You get power. You get kingdom access and you get power. When next time you think, man, why am I doing this? This is why. Because you get kingdom access and you get power. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Brother Hammond, would you play for me for just a minute? I'm going to read to you one last scripture. It's Acts chapter 11 and verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them huh, as on us at the beginning. I don't know if Brandon's watching online. I was hoping he would be here tonight. But I'll never forget receiving that text message of you all telling me that Brandon received the gift of the Holy Ghost at that service in section 4 and every time I see Brandon I, I, I look at him I'm like man he's so full of the Holy Ghost he's so positive he's always got a smile he's always kind he's always willing to help I'm like it's like he just got the Holy Ghost today he received the Holy Ghost like the beginning. And that's what I read. Uh, everything I said tonight was to end right here. The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. The Lord dealt with me so strongly this week about tonight. He told me what I was going to be talking about almost a week ago. And he said, I want the Holy Ghost to fall like at the beginning. He said, there are people here that need to be refilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, full and overflowing. The Lord wants to fill and especially refill every person that has received the Holy Ghost or that needs the Holy Ghost. It's not okay to just speak in tongues one time. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not meant to be a trickle, a drip, or a faucet, something you can turn on and off. It's meant to be a river. And God wants you to let that river flow tonight. Greater faith, this is the last statement I have written in my notes. You and I, we cannot get where we are going with a dry riverbed in our spirit. That water has to flow every single day. Every time I look up here at Brother Hammond with his big old muscles, 
But inside, he's just soft and gooey. Because every time I look over here, tears are streaming down. Why? Because something's moving in here. Holy Ghost is moving. And that's how it's got to be for each and every one of us. We need the Holy Ghost to move. Ben, you got the Holy Ghost Friday, but that's not enough. You need it again. Caden, if you can hear me, you need the Holy Ghost again. Bob, you need it again. Zach, you need the Holy Ghost. Kyla, you need the Holy Ghost. You're going off to school, living on that campus. You can't afford to have a dry riverbed. You need the Holy Ghost. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Cole, you're brand new. I've seen you speak in tongues a few times. Well, guess what? When you get up and go to work tomorrow before you leave the house, you need to be full of the Holy Ghost. In that river is the source of life. It is the answer. It, it holds the answers we need. Monica, you've been trying real hard. And now you're starting to face some real resistance. The pressure is getting real, right? What do you need? You need the Holy Ghost. Church family, I'm going to open up this altar for anybody who wants to come. And I hope that you all come. Because each and every one of us needs to be full of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to pray. Go ahead. You can begin to come. I'm going to pray up here tonight. And I'm going to come down and pray with you. And I'm going to ask God to fill and refill us. I know. You're like, it's a Wednesday. What are you doing? It's just a Wednesday night. It's not a Sunday morning. I know. But I know what God had on his agenda. God wants us to be filled full and over. Kim, you need to come down here. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, I want you to get with somebody right now. Come on, get with somebody right now. Get with somebody right now. Come on, get with somebody you know, somebody you're comfortable with, somebody you trust. Come on. I'm not going to come down there and make you feel uncomfortable, but, but get with somebody you know. Because God wants to fill us full. Thanks for joining with us today. Be sure to check us out online at greaterfaith.church or find us on Facebook by searching My Greater Faith. There you can watch this sermon and others as well as live stream all available services. If you like what you heard today, be sure to follow our podcast for new sermons and Bible studies as they become available. Greater Faith. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible.